Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. I want to talk about the power of the gifts of the Spirit and why we have to have them in our life today. Why the New Testament church must have them. And I know there's some controversy about it in the Scriptures. And let the controversy be there. Let let people that want to uh, uh, argue that it's passed away. We'll look at a little bit of that this morning for just a moment. But you know, I don't want to serve God as a pastor without the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to lay hands on people just as a ceremonial touch. We want that anointing of the kingdom of God to release out of us. For that to flow into other people's lives the same way God touches you. Come on, lay your hand on your chest like this right now. Say, in the name of Jesus, Jesus. Holy Spirit, Spirit. touch my body. body. Look, it's very real. That's powerful. Some of you just got a, you just had a Holy Ghost buzz the moment I said that. Something just went through you. Your hands were not made just to eat fried chicken. There's more to you than that. No, they're instruments of blessing. Your mouth was not made just to tell somebody off. How many of you think Christians ought not cuss on the way to church on Sunday morning? I'm just asking. Could be wrong on that, but I don't think so. No, no, no. You're you're called by God. Your feet were not just made to kick footballs. No, no, no. They're they're to carry the gospel of peace somewhere and to help share the good news of Jesus on your job, on your street, everywhere around, or wherever you go in life. Very powerful, very necessary. And we need the power. Jesus, who's the head of the church, told us before he went away, I'm going to release power to you. It is going to comfort you. The Holy Ghost really does not freak you out. The Holy Spirit is a comfort. Come on, somebody shout comfort. That's really important to get that. Jesus said, I'm going to send a comforter. Now, he didn't start humming kumbaya and light a little candle with an incense when he said that. He was talking about the power of the Holy Ghost. He never talked about about the Holy Jesus never talked about the Holy Spirit on any level lower than that. John 7, verse 37 and 38, the Bible says on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus was angry. And the Bible says that he he cried aloud. He stood up and he cried aloud. And if you read that in the Greek, and I'm not going to bore you with a lot of Greek, I'll give you a couple of things today. But when he did that, he literally was angry and he shouted. If you read it in the Greek, it says he roared. He got up and he roared and he said he was so frustrated with the custom that was going on. And just that system that, that they were going through in, in their celebration, instead of magnifying God, they're punching the number and they're partying, they're celebrating. All the feast days were, were celebration days with the exception of one that they fasted on one day and all the others were, were, were just total uh, celebration times. And so uh, about the goodness of God. And so he says, out of his innermost belly, he said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. How many of you are glad God will fill you if you're thirsty? I don't know about you, I am so thirsty for the moving of the Holy Ghost and the operation of God and the revelation knowledge 
and the current day ministry of the Holy Spirit. We do not live in a museum. We live in the now and so does the Holy Spirit. The scripture says, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, you can believe on Jesus one of two ways. You can believe the way man says it and the way you want to, or you can believe as the scripture has said. He that believeth on me as the scripture have said, out of his innermost being, King James uses the word belly, out of his belly shall flow rivers, not drips, not just a little fountain, a little creek, a little spring, rivers. He said, if you believe on him the way the scriptures say, out of your innermost being is going to flow rivers of life-giving water. What's, what's, what's living water? Well, first of all, instead of dying and going to hell, you get born again because of his sacrifice and you get to go to heaven. That's the first thing. And you have life forevermore. When you say yes to Jesus, there's some living water right there. You take a drink of the fountain of salvation. But then he talks about that living water flowing. He's talking about if a man is sick, let him release this anointing. Get others to pray with them that have that anointing. Listen, it's so important to hear this. I do not know all the answers to everything, nor does anyone else. But I refuse to charge God for something that belongs to the devil. God is not making you sick. God is not making you poor. No, there's gospel to the poor, the Bible says. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The good news to a poor man is you don't have to stay poor. The good news to a sick man is there's a healing God. That with his stripes we were healed. Now, if we say we believe this, and if we believe that Jesus is alive, then how do we get that flowing into our life today? Now listen, one of the things is necessary. I can't, there's a lot we could say. Here's what I'm going to tell you. We are not people who deny the ministry of the Holy Ghost today. The Spirit of God is the third part of the Godhead, and He is the medium of God that's in the earth today. Jesus is in heaven. He has poured out His Spirit, and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. There are three, and the three are That's what the Bible says. That means if the Holy Spirit is here, that's like God is here. If the Holy Spirit is here, it's like Jesus is here. And if the Holy Spirit is here, He's not just an image. He's just not a thought. He's not just a philosophy. No, He is a person. The person of the Holy Spirit is here today where two or more gather in Jesus' name. He is there in the midst of them, the Bible says. Anyone come here today in Jesus' name? I think we have a quorum. That means Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is here today. Out of His belly shall flow rivers, rivers of life-giving water. And the next verse says, And this spake He of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, which they that believe upon Him should receive. For as yet the Holy Ghost was not given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. 
Time out. He is now glorified. His name has been exalted above every name that is named. He died at Calvary. He went into the heart of the earth for you and me. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He arose victorious, was seen by many people for many days. He ascended, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he has poured out this which we do now hear and see. Somebody give God some praise in here today. The Holy Spirit is real. And Jesus and his name now have been glorified. That name is above every name you can think of. That word, Jesus, when it is breathed on lips of faith, activates three dimensions. Heaven, earth, and under the earth, the Bible says. You you tie faith into that name in relationship to the Son of God. I'm not talking about cursing with that name. I'm not talking about bemoaning that name some way. I'm not even talking about, uh, you know, someone named Jesse or Jesus. That's all. That's their business. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you begin to think about Jesus, come on, shout his name. Jesus. Come on, let's say it three times. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. You begin to speak that name on lips of faith. The Holy Spirit shows up. Like, where are we going from here? What are we going to do next? You just called on the name that includes Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Rapha. Are you listening to me? Jehovah Sidkenic. What's the need? What was the reason for mentioning that name in faith? The Holy Spirit right in that hospital room shows up. How many of you know the Holy Ghost will even come to church sometimes? If he's welcome, sure he will. And he'll abide with you, the Bible says. His kingdom is within you. His kingdom is within you. Let's activate that kingdom. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, in verse 17, this is really powerful. Get get this in your spirit. I wish I had about four four hours to do this, but I'm going to give it to you in about 20 minutes. Can you get this in 20 more minutes? Jesus said in Mark chapter uh, 16, verse 17, he says, and these signs will follow those that believe in my name. Now, we're the ones who put the punctuation in there. You got to understand that just for the sake of grammar. That punctuation is not there uh, in in some some versions of the scripture, some interpretations. But in English, it's there because it was just added by the the translator and the, the printers. The Bible says, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. You know, the best thing to do is not go around hunting a devil. You just speak the name of Jesus over your own family, over your own house, over your business, over yourself. That'll work right there. The scripture says, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. Oh my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I wish I had you in Bible school just for a little while. I promise you we'd look at that real strong. Because when he talks about new tongues right here, the word new means uh, literally that it's something that is a brand new articulate language. 
a new articulate language. A very interesting term, to say the least. Now, somebody, uh, you know, has argued in the past, and there, there's like the, I call them the three objections. Uh, they've argued in the past, well, Jesus didn't speak with other tongues. Well, let me ask you a question since he's the first one to talk about it in the New Testament. And if it's one of his greatest commandments that he gave to every man and woman before he ascended, do you think he would have endorsed something that he didn't believe in and operate in himself? Jesus had all of languages anyway. In him dwell the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So he could speak anything he wanted to speak. The tongue, the Apostle Paul calls it the tongue of men and the tongue of angels. The word angels, there's the word for the spiritual. He just literally says that, that Jesus had all of that. Not only are there all the dialects that are on the earth today, but there are also languages that we don't even know about. And Jesus said, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, the, one of the uh, initial signs that you have received and are a candidate for the manifestation of the power of God in your life is you speak with other tongues. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I'm not so sure Jesus did it. Well, he's the first one talked about it. He endorsed it, looked me right in the face, and he commanded it. Uh, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, I know Acts, of course, looks like it's after uh, John, of course, and after the resurrection, but they recorded what he said there. He said, you shall receive power. He said this right before he went away. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be a powerful witness. That's what the word is. You'll have a power in you that allows you to die to everything else that's not of God. It's the Greek word martyr. Uh, we get the word martyr from it. He says you'll die to yourself and you'll come alive for Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody clap their hands to the Lord. They will speak with new tongues. I know everybody say God bless the Baptist. I'm just talking about some statistics, that's all. So we love the Baptist. How many of you have been Baptist at some point in your life? Wave your hand. Thank God you can get saved in the Baptist church. Some, and some of them anyway. And so it's very important. Sure you can. Absolutely. They preach, they preach support. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about John 3 for a second. And uh, what, it, it was interesting a few years ago, and I thought this was really interesting, that the Southern Baptist Convention made a rule that if you were going to be a missionary in the Southern Baptist Convention, that you could not believe in speaking with other tongues. But it's a good thing that they did not make it retroactive because 70 to 75% of their foreign missionaries are baptized in the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues because they know that they have to bind demons in some of these remote areas of the world. They need that power in their life. Now, I'm not mad at anybody. And I'm, not, I'm not preaching anything down. I'm just telling you facts. It's very necessary. So many of those uh, men that have gone, and men and women that have gone out. Did you know around the world today, around the world, around the world, three out of four people that are getting saved are being saved and given their life to Jesus according to statistics 
Because they hear the gospel from people who believe in the present day power and manifestation of the Holy Ghost. They speak with other tongues. They lay their hands on the sick. It is the fastest growing phenomena ever since the first testament, uh, first century testament uh, church uh, of growth that is taking place. The most people worldwide that are giving their life to Jesus are being filled with the Holy Ghost. No, you ought to give God the praise for that right now. Look, just because, just because we sweet little United States citizens, and we are, and we've got all of it going and we're all cool and we all that kind of stuff, uh, that's good to have that. But you've got to understand the body of Christ is a lot bigger than just the United States. I drove by a church the other day, tongue-talking church, uh, down in Columbia with 30,000 active members. In a nation where, where drugs and all that and murders and, and kidnappings and, and on and on and on. And I thought, oh my goodness, who's that? And, and, and so uh, they begin to tell me about how just had a one little outpouring of the Holy Ghost that began to take place down there. And now they're about to build one, uh, a sanctuary that seats over 15,000. That's bigger, that's bigger than Lakewood. In Bogota, Colombia. And they'll do two to three services a day. And they all speak with other tongues. All over China, there are more spirit-filled Christians in China, they tell me, than there are in the United States. Woo-hoo-hoo! And sometimes we forget. Because we're too compact in what we do. And we're afraid somebody's going to get a little bit... You let a cancer try to get on your body, you don't care what anybody thinks. You want the Holy Ghost to flow. You let something happen to one of your kids. You be like, preacher, don't pray one of them little ceremonial bless me things. I don't want any of that. Give me one of those devil, get out of my house in Jesus' name. Let the power of the Holy Ghost work in your life. We have to have the power. We have to stop minimizing what God maximized for us. It belongs to the church today. There's nothing in the scripture that says it's not for today. It just simply is not there. That it is not for today. Ooh, glory to God. Now see, y'all got me all upset. And I'm trying not to shout and holler at you. But you know, teachers tell it and preachers yell it. You know what they say. So that's kind of the way it is. Uh, here, here's an interesting thing. Maybe the gifts and the power of the Holy Ghost, uh, maybe that's passed away. Maybe it's not for today. Let, let me give you a scripture right here. This is just one. Uh, I can start picking it and just showing it all through the word, especially through Paul's writings. 1 Corinthians 1, 7, that great gift church at Corinth. Look at verse 7, listen to this. So that you, he said, I've come, I, I want to uh, bless you. I want to minister to you. I want to come see you. So that you come behind in no gift. Everybody shout gift. Waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, it's very necessary. Paul said, I'm trying to get to you. He writes about it uh, two different times. He says, the devil's fighting me to keep me away. But he said, I want to come because this is a church that is full of knowledge. And they are full of the working of the Holy Spirit. 
the church at Corinth, great charismatic church. And there he writes and begins to talk about uh, the, 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 charism, uh, uh, the charisma, uh, the charismata of God. It's very important to hear that. It comes from the word grace. Everybody shout grace. grace. The word grace is the word C-H-A-R-I-S, charis in Greek. And, and when you have received the working in filling of the Spirit of God, it is called the charisma or the charismata. And, and the world has said people that believe in that are called charismatics or grace activators. Oh, I'm preaching better than you, amen, and, and y'all not even letting on like you like this today, but I'm going to tell you right now, the Holy Ghost is not just an emotion or a feeling or just a comfort. He will mess up your adversary, the devil. He'll empower you and strengthen you in a way that you never had before. And the Apostle Paul said it like this, and I think it's great. He said, I so desire to see you. He said, but Satan has hindered me. He finally got there, obviously. But he said, he's hindered me along the way because I want to impart to you a gift. I want to impart some of that charismata. I want to impart that Holy Ghost power. I want to impart this anointing on you. Now watch waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus. He said, until Jesus comes back, I want you filled with the power, the charisma, the Holy Ghost. Well, maybe it passed away. Has Jesus come back yet? No, he hasn't come back yet. But he said to be filled with his power. Let the Holy Ghost be in you. Let the gifts of the Spirit, as you wait for the coming of the Lord. I don't know when he's going to come back. I just know he doesn't tell a lie. And he said the same manner that he went away, he's coming back one day. So I'm either going to go to heaven by a hole in the ground, or I'm going to go by a hole in the sky. But either way, I'm going to meet him face to face one day. It's very important to get this in your inner man. Look at the book of Romans. Look at Romans chapter 1. Just stick up here with me just for a moment. I'm not going to preach much longer. Romans chapter 1. I love this. I love Paul's writings to the Romans. Oh, it's Roman. Read the book of Romans. It's the Magna Carta of righteousness. I hear all these great terms. Yeah, but it's also full of the power of the Holy Ghost. Sure, you get revelation from it. But now listen to this. Y'all okay today? Look at verse, I'll start verse eight. This is the great church at Rome, real wealthy church. The church is extremely wealthy. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Now that proves it right there that Paul was a southerner. You all. He says, I thank God for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now they're a faith church. They're a strong faith church. That your faith is spoken of. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing, I pray for you. I make mention of you always in my prayer, making requests because, you see, they had a need. They were a great faith church. They were a prosperous church. They were a church under persecution that was flourishing. Uh, The church at Rome. But just because they were flourishing didn't mean they had everything they needed. If by any means, now at length, 
I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some, what? Spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Once again, it's that charisma, that charismata. He said that power, that speaking in tongues, gifts of the Spirit, flowing present day ministry of the gift of God. He said, I want to get to the church at Rome because you've got a lot of good stuff going on. You faith people, but you need the power of the Holy Ghost. He said, I want that, I want that charismata working in you. Glory to God. People ask me all the time, they say, Pastor, how, 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 how do you get all of that land? How have you bought all those properties and, and sell those things? And, and you're just driving down the road. Look, there's more to the Holy Ghost than just a church service. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm just giving God glory. I've driven down the road so many times and seen things, and the Holy Spirit will say to me, go buy that piece of land. And I'm thinking, I sure hope that was the Holy Ghost. Or something bad's going to happen. But every time something good has happened. And we buy that piece of land uh, and do whatever the Lord says to do with it. And then when we sell it, God always blesses us. Blesses the church with it. It's happened many times. You need the gift of the Holy Ghost in your life. Not just salvation in the new birth. Let's talk about that for a moment. Give me just a minute with it. Are you all Okay. Because there's a lot of arguments about this. You can be sure that the gifts did not cease when the Bible was written. There are plenty of recorded instances. Let me just say this and I'm going to go on. Because in, in 1 Corinthians 13, there are some who say that, well, when that which is perfect has come, or he who is perfect has come, then uh, everything else will be done away with. And there are some that in today's theology want to say, well, the perfect thing was the Bible. When the Bible was coming. But there are no early church people, no writers of the New Testament or anyone else who believed that when the Bible came, everything else would stop. That is man-made doctrine. Nor can it be validated with Scripture. There is only one perfect one. And when He has come, I don't need the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't need to cast out devils. I don't need to pray for the sick. Because when He returns one day, are you listening to me? Until that time, we need the Holy Ghost. And the Scripture says, when the perfect one has come. Now look. Oh my goodness, I'd go for a whole, I'd do a whole semester with this if you needed it. But from, from about three, the year 367 AD, y'all remember that, 367 AD to 397, there was a 30-year period of time where the Bible as we know it today, the 66 books were put together. The first 300 years of the church after Jesus went away, all they had was a parchment or a manuscript or a letter. They didn't have 66 books and those letters put together. But early church fathers and uh, people in leadership put them together, translated it all into Latin, called the Vulgate, put it all into Latin and in, in 397, and they begin to use what we call the Bible today. But the first 300 years, 
There were signs and wonders and miracles, and they didn't even have a full Bible as you have it today. They might have one manuscript or two until they finally got them all put together. And thank God King James had them done for us and and translated over into English. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. And thank God old Gutenberg over there decided he was going to start printing them so rank and file men and women could have them and it didn't have to stay locked up behind stone walls in castles and monasteries. Because the devil does not want you to know the Bible. That's even more motivation to want to learn the Word of God. Come on, give me two amens right there. It's very important to get that. But they maintained a doctrine in that day, which was today it's coined and was written ultimately coined called the Apostles' Creed, which just confessed Jesus, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, all those good things. And then they would share the gospel and preach the gospel. It was passed on from person to person. And then they had miracles, signs, and wonders, manifestations of the Holy Ghost. They preached the Bible they knew, but the Bible they knew had the power of God in operation. And so they pressed in because one word from God can produce faith on the inside of you that moves any mountain. Are y'all doing okay? Very important to get that. The perfect one, next time somebody tries to argue with that, just say, no, no, the perfect one's not the Bible. The perfect one is Jesus. And when he has come then that will be done away with because you won't be praying for the sick nor anything else. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus said, in my name, John chapter 3, I'm going to close with this right here. In John chapter 3, verse 5, 6, 7, and 8. Have you learned anything this morning? Now you're in church on Sunday morning. There's a strong possibility that you're already born again. But then again, I never take anything for granted. John chapter 3, listen to this if you would. Let me begin at about verse, let me begin in verse 5. Jesus answered Nicodemus. Everybody shout Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, truly I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of capital S, Holy Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. you got to read this in its text. We just, we think that John chapter 3 only has one verse in it. John 3.16 is a great verse, but there's a lot leading up to John 3.16 where Jesus is talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus never backed off of this topic just because he gets dumbed down by some preachers. Uh, Jesus said it numerous ways. Here's one of them. He said it right here. But that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Verse 6. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That which the Holy Spirit births fresh and new in you is your spirit. That which is born of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, is your spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Those are interesting words. The word born again, the word born is a powerful Greek word uh, that we get, it's the word genero, and we get the word gender from it. I don't even want to go there. Lord have mercy. If you don't even know what gender you are, you're sure not qualified to be the president of the United States. Oh, hallelujah. Can I clear it all up? 
I'm going to tell you what gender you are for the sake of political correctness. I'm going to be kind. I'm not kind to demons, though. If you have a womb, you are a womb man. If you do not have a womb, you are a man man. It's really quite simple. And if you see it any other way than that about yourself, you just messed up. But we do have a solution because we're not mad at anybody. I'm just telling you there's an answer. Jesus said, you must be born again. And the word again right there, all through the Bible, that word means from the top or from above. Again, from the top down. Jesus said, you must have a whole new spiritual genre. You must be born again. And the Holy Spirit is who does that to you. Because the one you were born the first time with is fallen. It has in it what the scripture calls iniquity. And that's what we inherited from the fountainhead of humanity, Adam. He passed it on, the Bible says. And it has a spiritual death element in it. Because of his sin, death passed on to all men. Because of one man's sin. I mean, have you read this in your Bible? But because of one man's righteousness, shout his name out loud. That's why he came in human form to walk through that plan and reverse that curse. Because he was born of the Word of God. And he was born without the sin nature. And he never committed a sin to embrace sin into himself. So when He died for us, His blood was divine. It was not tainted with death. Therefore, it was impossible, the Bible says, that death could hold Him. He willingly went through the process of dying, but death could not hold Him because He did not have the wage of sin. The Bible says it required perfect blood to break the curse. But the blood of bulls and goats wouldn't do it. And man couldn't do it because it was the original man that released it. So whether you realize it or not, you kin to those people sitting around you. Because it all started with one man. Come on, touch somebody and say, what's up, cuz? Come on. Whether you realize it or not. I'm talking about if the person sitting next to you is white... Look me in the face. That's not a curse. That's a cuz. If the person that sat next to you was black, that's not a curse. That's your cousin. If the person sitting next to you is Hispanic, are you listening to me? That's your cousin. Because it all started at one place and on and on. If somebody next to you is Chinese or Jewish or, or redheaded, We don't need to have these family fights over crazy stuff. Thank God you and I all came from one blood. The Bible says God made, Acts 17, God made all men from one blood. He, esta he established the boundaries of nations. The Bible says that real plain. All right, get this real quick now as we, as we finish. Jesus said, 
Look at verse 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth. The normal word for wind in the Bible is the word animos, A-N-E-M-O-S. That's the normal word that, that you see in the Bible. But right here, when Jesus said it in John 3.8, before John 3.16, uh, he didn't use the word anim- animos. He used the word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, pneuma, new man, spirit man. He said the spirit, speaking of the Holy Ghost, he says the wind blow, the spirit bloweth, and that word right there is a powerful word. And that word blow literally means to breathe or, or the blast of air. <sniffs> like to breathe. He says the Holy Ghost bloweth, verse 8, the Spirit of God bloweth wherever it listeth. And thou hearest the sound. Everybody shout sound. Now, I know this is going to freak some people out right here because if you're just ultra-Calvinist, I'm just going to ask you to go back to the Bible and read this yourself. There's more than one word for sound, obviously, in the Scripture. Can I have a big amen? amen? This is not the word akuo, which is normally used for sound in that sense of the word. This is the word. Jesus used a unique word right here. He used the word in Greek, P-H-O-N-E. Phone. We get the word, come on, can someone say phonics? The word phone means phonics. It means pronounced, articulate speech. If you get a little kid in school, we, teach, we don't just teach sight recognition. We teach phonics in our school. That's why these little kids, before they get out of the first grade, they can read from Genesis to Revelation in your Bible. But just like you probably could when you were a little child. Uh, because in those days, they taught phonics. It's still proven, in my opinion, to be the best way, uh, the form of learning how to read, and it's so necessary. But phone, phonics, that's where it comes from. And it means spoken, articulate language. He says the Spirit breathes and creates a sound. If you read that in just about any kind of translation, other than this, especially in all of the early translations, when they translated that, they said that the Holy Spirit speaks and begins to say something. Look at verse 8 one more time. He said, Thou hearest the sound, the phone thereof, but canst not tell where it came from or whether it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. He says, when you're born of the Spirit, God is going to give you a sound. Ooh, I'm preaching better than you're amening right now. He gives you, that's why Nicodemus was one of the people on the day of Pentecost. All historians say he is. He's one of the 500, then one of the 120. Many of them, of course, are named. And there he is, Nicodemus is there. After Jesus had said this to him, I'm sure he's got a big question mark all the time going, I wonder what Jesus is talking about, about how the Holy Spirit will come upon you and have language and sounds you don't understand. But on the day of Pentecost, when that day was fully come, suddenly, somebody shout suddenly, suddenly there came from heaven a sound of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all those who heard it and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Nicodemus probably went, that's what he meant. They begin to phone, speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. 
I wish I had time to talk about how Paul writes to the church at Corinth about the Holy Ghost. Jesus, when He talked about being born again, He also was talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good Word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women I found are so generous when the Word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.